Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Chasing the Chip. This is episode 36. I am your host, Moise, as always, alongside my co-host, Wayne. How you doing, Wayne? Going on, man. A lot of driving. Yeah, a lot of driving. Thanksgiving weekend is all about driving. Uh, Going to see your loved ones, no matter how far across the country they are. Wayne was telling me he basically had to trek the entire East Coast over the weekend. Pretty much. So, yeah, uh, more power to you for coming on and streaming. So, <laughs> I can imagine how exhausting that is. Uh, what's the longest drive you guys have had? What, you have had? What's the longest drive? Longest was when I, when I got stationed in Oklahoma. I had to drive from Richmond there 21 hours. I did it. God damn. I think I have a seven-hour drive from Washington, from, like, D.C. to uh, to Cleveland. Hi, Becca. How you doing? Hey, Becca. What's going on? Uh, it was a seven-hour drive to Cleveland for a Washington, at the time, Redskins preseason game. Because uh, <laughs> I wanted to take my little brother and see Dwayne Haskins' first game. Uh, that turned out exactly how you would expect it to. Uh, there was nothing in Cleveland. And uh, I understand Joakim Noah saying... Nobody's ever gone to vacation in Cleveland because I'm not going back there probably ever again. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, drives are uh, drives are fun until you reach the destination and it's dog shit. But you had a Thanksgiving meal at the end of it, so you're chilling. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, on the Wizards, though, the Wizards are playing some quality basketball for the most part. Had a scuffle these last few weeks, but... They are at a whopping 65% win rate, uh, 13 and 7 through 20 games. The sign of a good team is to go through a bad stretch and still find a way to win games and still stay afloat. Mm-hmm. We could have easily just went on a six game skid. Luckily, it didn't stack. Uh, even though we did kind of, we lost three out of our last four uh, after the, after we lost four of five uh, when it's Hornets, Heat, Heat, Hornets, Pelicans. Somehow, we lost four out of five in that stretch. But then we rebounded, and we recovered, and won two straight against the Thunder by two, and the Mavericks by six last night. So, the Wizards found a way to bounce back, and they found a way to not suck, compoundingly. And if this was the old Wizards, we might be 9-20 and at this stage. So, it's nice to see... God damn it, Wayne. It's nice to see uh, that it's not the Wizards of old and that new coaching and new personnel has led us in a better direction. And we have the ability to squeak out games we shouldn't win. I saw an insane stat after yesterday's game against the Mavericks uh, from the boy Wob. What's his name? What's his first name? Uh, Robert Perez. Robert Perez, a.k.a. Wob on Twitter. Breaks down film of the NBA a lot. He tweeted out that the Wizards are 10-1 and 1 in clutch games. The clutch is a very specific kind of calculation. Uh, it was, I think he said it was what, uh, score within five with like five minutes left? Yes, score within five with five minutes left. And the Wizards are 10-1 and 1 in those games, which is kind of insane because that's that feels like the kind of games the Wizards found ways to lose in previous like, years. Who was the one loss? I'm trying to think who the one loss was. I'm going to go back and try to find it. Was the Pelicans? No, no, no. Because we just I don't got, know the Pelicans we got blown there. out. We got blown out by the Pelicans. Hold on. Was it the Raptors game? The away rap or the home Raptors game? The one that we lost at home? No, no. We lost them by a little bit. It was. Oh, it was the Hornets because we lost. No, That's right. no, we lost about six to the Hornets. But the it was with. Close. It just had to be within five, right? Yeah. It was one close game that we lost. 
Right. It was either the Hornets or the uh, the Raptors. It was definitely one of those two games. I don't remember which one. But that's kind of an insane stat. It's kind of an insane stat. I mean, under Scott Brooks, I don't know what our record in the clutch was. But clutch ex- execution is one of the most important aspects of basketball. And it's nice to see that we are finding ways to win games in that situ- in those situations. Especially Bradley. considering Bradley Beal has had a major turnover issue in the clutch yes. this year. I was about to say it's surprising because of how weird Beal plays when it gets to those moments. But then again, like, oh, he's like 50-50 because he'll come down the court and have two straight turnovers, and then the next three plays he has he, – he's the one that has the assist on the clutch bucket. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. Or a hockey assist. I think yesterday uh, he, had a, he had a pass to Avdia who then kicked it out to Kuzma who hit the game uh, tying three. So Bradley Beal definitely did his job last night, as Becca has said in the chat. Yeah. It was and even I remember the, the Cleveland game where he shot horribly, and then the last three shots we made were all assists from Bradley Beal. It's like he'll rent. I think he's better at playmaking in the clutch than he is at scoring. He's got to fix think, those turnovers think, for me to say that he is. He's not. He's not good at scoring. I, I think, I I think when it comes to like that. finding finding like the open guy, he's, he's, I think he's honestly better at, at that than just making the shot. He was clutching the Thunder game as well. Uh, yeah. Just, he's, it's nice to see him kind of learning because, yeah, I mean, even if he's not good in the clutch right now or if he's not like a true closer, he's not going to become one unless he gets reps in the clutch. So yeah. it is a good thing that we are this early in the season seeing some of these clutch opportunities and taking advantage and coming out with the wins. One thing I, I wanted to point out because I think earlier in the season he didn't do this and it led to a lot of turnovers. Last night, in the like, especially late in the fourth, instead of trying to like go hero ball and split double teams, he passed early and trusted the guy who was passing to make the right play, mm-hmm. and it worked out almost every time. Yeah, it's every when he passes early out of a double, because like obviously they show it quick, and you, you see him like sitting there looking like, all right, what should I do? When, when they show it, when he passes early, good things happen. When he tries to split it or he waits too long, that's when that's when it's a turnover. Every time a double comes on Beal and he does that thing where he holds the ball at his ankles, I just figure, and it's like that for more than half a second, I just figure a turnover is coming. And I've learned to accept that. He just has to be decisive. Decisive and be decisive quickly and early in the shot clock, uh, or as soon as the double comes, just react to the pat and pass accordingly. He's a really good passer. Like, we've seen some really, really great passes from Beal this season. And it hasn't always been off the dribble. It's been a kind of the ball movement has been up and down from the team as a whole this season. But Beal has been finding ways to find guys open. I remember a cut to Trez, I think, in the uh, Hornets game, I want to say. Early on, it was a pass to Beal. Trez was cutting to the rim. He finds him with a bullet pass right under the rim. Trez finishes. The more the ball pops around, the better this team will be because unselfishness has got to be a key part of a team that has a rotation of 13 people. That's Otherwise, you're going to have ego problems, you're going to have shot selection issues, and you're going to have a lot of turnovers. I think that's probably the most impressive about these first 20 games. Everybody's just kind of following along. Mm-hmm. Even Kyle who has the confidence of Michael Jordan in 1988 himself, <laughs> this guy has fallen in line, he had 22 last night, and for the most part, all he did was catch and shoot or catch and drive. He didn't do too much. He, it wasn't a step back or anything like that. He catched and shot, or he catch, and he caught the ball and just went too bad. And we were seeing that's that all a lot early do. in the season. He was trying to just cook, trying to do like some crazy stuff behind the back, trying to step back from three, 
trying to pull up from 25, trying to do random stuff that he doesn't need to do. Yo, crazy maturity I saw. Ooh, I think one. We we got to stop. Advance the ball. Kuz was over for a second. He waited all the way until Bradley Beal came up the floor. Mm-hmm. I never in my life thought I'd see Kuz do that. <laughs> His basket, all of the bas- the team's basketball IQ, with the exception of Davis Bertans, has been a really oh. impressive. Uh, I'm I've been really really impressed with like the decision making. That's another thing in the clutch. I think this is just a really really smart team. Uh, a lot of it has to do with film breakdown, which we know Scott Brooks did not do, and it seems like a priority under the uh, West Unseld administration. It's also been defense has been very very good in the clutch. Think back to early in the season when KCP ripped the ball from Jalen Brown on a game winning attempt. He had one on Luka tonight. Yeah, <laughs> Gafford. <laughs> Had to go, was guarding Luca from like twenty five feet on a game tying three, and it yo, was a honest, great contest. Honestly, bro, um, earlier in the game, I'm like, yo, why are they switching everything for one, and then why are they doubling KP in the post? Christopher Porzingis in the post, he's not taking a layup. Hmm. So if there's Denny or Kuzma on him, and he wants to take a fadeaway, it's gonna be contested a little bit. Give that up instead of a three, and Bertans will just come off and ready to up every time. <laughs> but and then, yeah, that but then tough. in the fourth, in the fourth, you know, they still switched. They trusted the switch. Mm-hmm. They let Gafford. They didn't go double Luca. They let Gafford have it, and Luca tried to drive on him multiple times. I think one time he got he got away with a little uh, forearm offensive foul that Gafford tried to sell. But like, like Gafford was with him. Back into the yeah, partition, he, Gafford yeah. tried to sell it. He tried to sell it a little bit, but he was with him for the most part. And and Luca had to take contested threes. I'm like, yo, sometimes just trust it. And Luca like, still had. Like a, Lucas still had 32, I think. So it's yeah. not like they completely shut him down. But they contain stars enough to win games, which is what yeah. you have to do, not only in the regular season, but in the playoffs. So they got to keep I, it I was hoping Wes would stress that at halftime. Like, yo, if Christian Porzingis has it in the post, I don't care if there's metal guard. He's taking a fadeaway jumper. <laughs> just leave it. KP has been kind of hooping lately. Mess, I, don't know if, I don't know if it's a smart idea. to just He's not taking – he, he's not taking layups. He doesn't take layups. He is soft a fading, like that, but he's... A fading two is better than leaving Reggie Bullock and Tim Hardaway Jr. over for three, which we did, like, too much in that first half. I did like when they left Sterling Brown wide open for three, but then he would start he's gonna make for him, no reason. If he's going to make him, I will live with that. It's mm-hmm. like 22% for three, man. But Hardaway, yeah, Hardaway and, uh, but leaving and Bullock. A, doubling off a Hardaway and Bullock, like, that, that made me lose years off my life. <laughs> it's produced some entertaining basketball, though. Uh, it's not like... The olden times where it would just be one blow by and then somebody gets a layup or a wide open look. They're at least forcing teams into making decisions and taking shots that are somewhat contested. Or late in the shot clock, somebody gets a wide open three after some some crazy playmaking by uh, the opposing point guard. Something of that nature. But I really want to highlight Daniel Gafford because he has been insane these last two games. Uh, had eight blocks, which is an NBA season high in that Thunder game. Uh, three on Josh Giddy, I believe. And then had uh, d- first double-double of his career last night. He has been playing was that, insane was that his on both ends. Yeah. He didn't have one last season? He did not have one last season. Wow. He I wasn't he a good one. enough rebounder last season to get a double-double. Yeah, I thought he had like a couple. Like, wow. It's his first career double-double for Daniel Gafford. Oh, I was thinking of the preseason. We had, he had a preseason game. He had like 24 and 17. Yes. yes that's, I, right. I, I, that's what I was thinking of. But yeah, first regular season uh, double-double for Daniel Gafford. Playing really, really well. Defensively, he's been sticking with guards as well. Uh, I mean, we saw the Luka clutch play last night. 
He had a few game. He was uh he kind of struggled with Shea a little bit, but other guards he's kind of been able to keep up with. Shea is just kind of a different yeah. beast. Here, here's where Gafford is, especially on the perimeter defensively. He gets every time he guards a guard, the first move a guard does on him, he gets beat every time. The thing about Gafford is his recovery is ridiculous. He gets beat on like every move and it's still there. He just has it like insane, some, like his athleticism is insane. It's ex- recovery. He's super, super explosive. He has a lot of explosiveness in his legs. He can literally just kind of take a hop step and then he kind of has that Giannis ability where he just jumps from like one spot on the floor to another. He's not as insane as Giannis, obviously, but has a little bit of that to him. The, the most insane play, which end, which ended up leading to two points because he fouled. He doubled Luca. Luca hits Dwight Power. Dwight Powell, a known dunker. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Athletic guy. Gafford is out at the three point line. I wish I had this player. He's out at the three point line, and somehow recovers to meet him at the rim and almost swats the shot. That he ends up fouling. Yeah, he ended That's, up fouling the yeah on the dunk. I remember that, that was early in the game. Insane recovery to double Luca and get back and challenge the shot. He was this close to blocking it. That is insane. The entire team has been playing pretty damn well. Um, it's hard to nitpick. I mean, the Pelicans game, you're going to have a couple games where shooting just goes cold. And Hornets game, sometimes you just you can't win them all. Um, we, went up, we, we, we let ourselves get into much of a hole. Yeah. Uh, it's, the offense definitely scuffled for a long time. I foolishly thought Breton's coming back would help. Unfortunately, he made it significantly worse. Uh, I did too. That's why it made me so mad when he just stunk it up. I think he's shooting I, I one of fifteen from three since he got back from injury. I, I was so I was so supportive. I'm like, yes, we get we get a shooter back. He's made us worse. Like his minutes are like I don't even want to look at what his plus minus was last night, but it honestly felt like like we would get we would either bring the score back or we would go ahead. Mm-hmm. And then Bertans would check in and it just you know, it man, we're dissipate. We're we're down five all of a sudden. Yes, Becca, the modern-day Shaq, Daniel Gaffer himself. Okay. Uh, he was a minus 14. And uh, for reference, Beal and Gafford were plus 15 and 14, respectively. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a rough one for, for Bertans. He's it's been cool. on. Every, like, it, it was almost like if, if they would have just DNP'd him, we might have won by 10. Because we, <laughs> we would go up, and then he'd come in. Yep. Like, man, like, who this guy? I tweeted this after the game. Uh, Porzingis didn't have a great game either. He shot 4 yeah. of 12. He had, like, 13, 5, and 7 or something. He had a decent game, but not a great one. But he also lost. Bertans, 0 of 5. Garbage. Just terrible. Latvia must be crying because uh, their NBA representation is letting them down significantly. Yeah, it's not, a big, it's not a big country, so they don't get a whole lot of them. No. Anza's Andres. is rolling over in his... Uh, in his proverbial NBA grave right now. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely rough. Uh, hopefully, they can find a way to get him right because if he can find his three-point shot or if anybody can really find their three-point shot, this team gets significantly better. There was a stretch where Bertans, Kispert, Beal, and Neto combined were shooting 26% from three. Uh, so this is this is my problem. With, this is my main problem with Bertans. When he doesn't make threes, he's actually the worst player in the building. Not even on the court. It might be some fans in the building that would do that. <laughs> but you look at Kisper. Kisper had a travel. He didn't make any threes. We were down 96-99, and Kisper has two, not one, two, one for an and one, which he rimmed out on the free throw, and then the second one for the lead in the game, which 
we gave the lead back one time, so we basically didn't look back. Mm-hmm. were just making two basketball plays, knowing that he wasn't making threes, so he cut instead. He's a, He's a really, he a, really why, good cutter, by the why way. Why is he a really rookie? Impressed. Why is he a rookie with a higher IQ than Dallas Rattan? Rattan's, unfortunately, just doesn't know the game, just doesn't have the IQ yet. Like, Hopefully, the minutes where Bertans were playing with, like, because Bertans was, was getting the minutes where he was playing alongside, like, Field, Neto, uh, Harold, and I think Casey Keith. Kispert got those same minutes for, like, two minutes, and he had them two backdoor cuts and gave us the lead, and then he went out. If they would have just, it, one, we got to abolish having Kispert and Bertans on the floor at the same time. Yeah. And two, instead of having Bertans with all those uh, playmakers and stuff, who Kispert with Yeah. He'd be feeling to make a shot. He's going to do something. You want to know something? You want to know a crazy stat about Kispert? Uh, Fred Katz tweeted this yesterday. Corey Kispert, in his per 36 minutes in clutch time, uh, is averaging 1,393.5 points per game in the clutch. This is all because he he just does little things. (laughs) Yeah, he just made made two, like, really, really nice cuts in clutch time yesterday. Which was four points in the end one. He he missed the free throw on the end one, which kind of... Yeah, bro... It rimmed out like it looked good when he released it. And it rimmed out a lot. You gotta be a good free throw shooter. You can't be white in the NBA and miss free throws. Just can't do it. Uh, another thing about Kisler is individually he can get uh, he can get big boys sometimes, but he plays pretty good team defense. He stays in front. He, he, he knows his rotation. He knows where he's supposed to be. He's not lost, and he's not doubling off of shooters. Like he knows where he's supposed to be. I think it's, it's just, he's athletically challenged a little mm-hmm. bit, but he knows where he's supposed to be and what the what the goal is. Even I think I think he got a steal. I think he knows where he's supposed to be. Honestly, I think his big problem. I just don't think he's he just doesn't have an NBA like body yet. He just needs to add a little bit more muscle to the frame. He's kind of wide built. Like he has a he's kind of a wide chest. He got a wide torso and then like a like smallish arm. Yeah. So if he just kind of fills out his frame, I think he'll be all right. Like. uh he won't get as sunned as often, <laughs> so he just needs to—he just needs to learn to kind of not get pushed around, and he'll be okay. Shout out! Shout out to Mark Andre Becca in the chat. Nacho man, what's good? Javier, bro, appreciate you. Appreciate all you guys, OGDC family. By the way, uh, we had a whole meetup with our Wizards Twitter group chat, and that was really really fun. Thank you, Andre, for the follow. I appreciate it. Um, we had a whole link up. With the OG DC family group chat. Becca was there. Mark was there. Uh, we missed you out, Wade. That was pretty cool. But yeah, uh, shout out to everybody we'll who was time. there. That was really, really cool. Yeah, we'll be there next time. I heard I heard they want to do the Rockets game. That's a Wednesday. I'm not going to lie. Even though I'm going to work that Wednesday. If they don't do me dirty and they leave me on days, I might dead ass get off of work and immediately just get on the highway. <laughs> just I, I drive all the way it. up. I would probably make it. If, because the, the, obviously the traffic will What be time you get off of work? Like, usually like 2, 2.30. Oh, you would definitely get here on time. If I got off at 2 and I just booked it, because it's like three hours and then I had traffic, I'd probably make it in time. So I you'd be hitting... To, I just have to drive home and be at work at 6.30 the next morning. I'm trying but, to... Well, as, I think but a meetup, would, I would do it. I think you would hit traffic around Richmond, but you might beat it if you... If you're leaving around 2, 2.30, you'd probably beat traffic. If yeah. you leave... There's no traffic going into the city around 5, 6 o'clock, so you should be straight. I think you'll be all right if you just book it, but uh, that would be fun. But, yeah, we'll announce. I, I, I would honestly, especially for that Rockets game, especially if they let John Wall play for I'd book it. They saying he's uh, he's coming back. That was a big thing from uh, Woj the other day. John Wall asked to return to play. 
I would book it for that game and the meetup. I would honestly do it. Do you think John Wall would come off the bench for the Rockets if they came back? If he came back, uh, he probably would because Rockets fans think KPJ is the next coming of James Harden. He's significantly but worse. He, <laughs> I mean, well, see, he probably would end up coming off the bench. Because the Rockets, they, they want their younger guys to get reference. Honestly, if if Wall like transitions into a Derrick Rose type role, uh, obviously his his contract is not really up to that standard right now. But if he just kind of comes off the bench, gives you some quality minutes as a backup point guard, has the occasional game where he pops off for fifty or something, I would love to see that at John Wall, maybe on a contender and not the bum ass Rockets. Yeah. Uh, but he's got to get traded for that, so we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, I am excited to see him back on the court, though. It's been too long. I think he's still good. I think had the Clippers picked him up, well, the Clippers are still doing good. The Clippers would have picked him up, they'd, be, they'd still be nice. Like, if you give John Wall a good roster, mm-hmm. like you're going to succeed. Like, he's not, he, he had the game because he dropped like 33 on us last year. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I think I'm very concerned that we're only going to get like two more years of John Wall and then people are just kind of going to let him go. Yeah. It's uh it is kind of heartbreaking <laughs> if that is the case. I really That's going to happen. Let, let him let him come back here before he retires. I don't think he would come back here. Uh Let him I, sign a one let him sign a one day and retire with the That might happen, but I don't think he would play here again. Uh, I think him and Ted yeah. have real beef and I don't think that goes away. Cuz Ted thinks he's a gangster but then signed a crypt the next uh, <laughs> the next summer. <laughs> they swapped the blood for a crypt. <laughs> I don't I don't even know man like it's that whole situation just kind of made me upset and then it all worked out in the end because we ended up with this deep of a roster with this young of a roster and it's it's turning out all right but with the point guard play that we have now um and that's kind of what I want to get into next it's it's not really up to snuff with what we're used to the rest yeah. of the roster is significantly better than what we are used to, with the exception of Bradley Beal, who will return to form eventually, hopefully. Um, the point guard play has been subpar, I think to say the least. Spencer Dinwiddie has been up and down. Uh, when Bradley Beal's not in the lineup, he seems to be one of the better players on the floor. When he's out, or when Beal is out there with him, he just goes ghost. Uh, like, we don't see anything. He takes maybe... Six to ten shot attempts at most a game, and I've I've heard Dinwiddie talk in press conferences about him actively choosing to take a step back. I don't think you can do that that often. When I think he's stepping back too far. He's stepping back. Way I think that's too the far. problem. And when like, it's okay especially to step when back, but like we but need especially like when our offense is struggling like this, when you clearly see that we need a scorer, you should be taking more than six shots a game. We need like, we need like fifteen, sixteen plus. He's like currently points. averaging. Like he, 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 you he, wanna... he will, I think he's averaging like fifteen or sixteen right now. But like in like the ran, in the games where he disappears, he'll have like eight points or six points. Yeah, it's he's... like yo, we need you at sixteen points or more. He also has like a thirty-four I mean, point if, game carrying his average, so it's gonna yeah, be like if, if you want if you want to have like if you want to like go a whole first half and only have like six points. That's fine, but we need you to end the game with sixteen or more. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's that's really all I want to defend. Because he's gonna move the ball around. He, he's a pretty decent rebound. He he can defend too, even on the bad. He's still pretty good. At his defending, defending has been long. his defending has been up and down. Uh, he he started the year off as a really really good defender. 
I don't know if it's the ACL. I don't know if it's just kind of getting back into the groove of, of a season because it's been a while since he's played like a full NBA season. Uh, but he's been a step slower on defense, it appears to me. It's not like he's getting blown by consistently or anything, but he's he's not as physical and he's not as stout on defense to me. I want you to guess his points, assists, and rebounds, respectively. Like his, his averages. The last time I looked for him, I'm going to say... around five boards, and I think six points on me, too. Okay, so you're actually really, really close. It's 14.6 points, Mm. full point less, but, you know, he'll theoretically get back up there eventually. Uh, 5.4 assists and 5.1 boards. So 15.5 and 5 from a guy who's supposed to be your number two isn't bad. We just need it on a more consistent basis. Less of these, like the Hornets game, the the first Hornets game, he shot 0 for 5. Uh, we can't have that. Can't have you. He, just, could, he could easily be at like 17, 5, and 7 right now. For sure. Especially I with the like way that, some of these where, guys are shooting. Just step I feel up. like that's where he should be around. You, like, even if he's just going to like step off the gas a little bit, that's where he should be like aiming for. And it doesn't help that the other two point guards in the rotation haven't been good either. Aaron Holiday has been wildly inconsistent. Um, he's been mediocre, I think, to say the most. Uh, he's averaging five one or five two and two basically. Neto is having a little bit of a slump year compared to last year, uh, and that's he has also come troubling. Back on this past game, though. Yes, uh, he, but he did show up for the Mavericks game. So he did. Uh, he went directly at Luca. He did. He was not scared. But last season, he was probably the second most consistent player on the team behind B. Yeah. This year. He's been one of the least consistent players on the team, and that's saying something. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why. It's just something about Neto. I just trust him. I do trust him. I don't him. know I why. Because I don't know. He, uh, he, has, he has a trustworthy face. Yo, the foul he got called on Luka where, where you know, say he got hit and he sold her a little bit, I was like, yo, that's like, yes, bro. We got one of these Spanish dudes that just know how to sell. Like that, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's how you fucking flop. Bro. You got that Ricky Rubio. Nice. You got free throws off that. Like, yo, that's how you fucking flop, bro. <laughs> That was yeah. That was late in the game too. That was Lucas' fifth foul. It was really really important. But yeah, I think he will figure it out. I think that all these guys will figure it out. But the point guard play has been definitely subpar to say the least, and creation has been lacking. Um, the ball has been kind of popping around the the perimeter, and it's been nice. But we don't have that one true playmaker that we kind of have had the last decade. Um, between Wall and Westbrook, even Isaiah Thomas would do it a little bit. Uh, that has been lacking severely, and there's no real guarantee that it comes because it's not really in Dinwiddie's game to be a true floor general in any capacity. He's a scorer who has the ability to handle and dish. He's not going to be a guy who's going to like drive to the rim, draw a double team, and then kick it out to the corner like Wall did for so many years. I think he's trying trying to fill that role. Like I think he, I think he knows what. DC point guard play has been like, and it's trying to fill that role. It's like you don't you don't need to do that. This team we we can be just fine off you and Beal just attacking and then making a pass when necessary. You don't you don't have to try to force the floor general like unless unless you're about to come out and get 13 assists a game, bro. Just play the game that you normally do. I actually want to propose something, Wade, and I want to hear your thoughts about this. What if Bradley Beal and Spencer Dinwiddie? Swapped positions. 
they kind of been sharing point guard duties whenever they have. So just make Beal the primary point guard. I'm not against it. Is it because uh, a couple of like the late games, like clutch games, mm-hmm. it'll be Brad Handle. bringing the ball yeah. down, and usually whenever he gets double teamed, he usually looks to go to Spence and let Spence run it from there. And Spence has and the size to guard twos. Uh, yeah. They're both, and Beal is a little bit shorter, it's, it's, but they're both pretty like, similar. Yeah, we're kind of like entertainable this year. I think that's like one of the big narratives of the season of, of us just being versatile. Mm-hmm. Multiple guys can do multiple things. So I'm not a, I'm not against it, but it's just like Beal is super turnover prone. And Spence kind of like, he's real cerebral. He gets turnover, but like he's, he's more cerebral with the ball. He's a little more careful with it as well. Uh, he's the feels Beal like will turnovers. Try to throw right some wild shit, and he also will get. He, I don't know why Beal likes to jump on his passes, but he'll get caught jumping sometimes. He does, yeah. And, Especially when doubles come, I think he tries to see over the double, so he tries yeah. to look for. Like there was one to Kuzma yesterday where he jumped, he saw over the double that fit the ball between the double team with a bounce pass to Kuzma. That was an interesting one. I want to see. I don't think he gets doubled as often. If Spencer Dinwiddie's playing the two guard, and I think that's a big thing because, yeah, teams are gonna try to throw Bradley Beal doubles as soon as he catches the ball, but if he's bringing the ball up, are they just bringing a two man trap to the top of the like to half court? We've that's seen what work. happened when that happened in the Miami game. At the end of the game, Beal was bringing the ball up, and they would just come double him, and they were leaving because usually I've seen when teams double us, they always double with the guy that's across the court. Because we kind of we kind of come up two guys up, two guys in the corner, and then Gafford or, or Fred in the middle. Mm-hmm. And the guy that's on the other wing, that's who's mad, is going to double. Last night, it was KCP's man. I don't know why. Yeah, no, you don't help off of the, the only it was, shooter last night, worth it was the on the man. roster. The, the Miami game, especially that last play with Spence is a three, they were doubling off of Spence. So, Beal and Spence literally just had a two-man game literally just across the court. They didn't even move. Deal passed it to him to see what Miami would do. Spence pumped it. He's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not open enough yet. Pass it back to Bill. Bill dribbles again. They come into the screen. They, they commit to the double assignment. Spence catches the ball uh, wide open for three. You know what I'm saying? Splash. Like, that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know if we could do it all game. But have it because – but usually they come in double from the wing. Mm-hmm. So, we we probably have to – after enough times of doing that, they probably have to switch because they're probably like, yeah, we can't double from the wing anymore. I don't know, because that's how teams are kind of used to guarding Bradley Beal in general, right? Like, we used to just not have a roster capable of doing anything once Bradley Beal was doubled. Now that we have the versatility and at least the the modicum of shooting around him, uh, I, I expect the shooting to get significantly better as the season goes on. Um, teams can't really defend him that same way. And I think Miami saw that firsthand, but I don't... I don't, I don't know how it's going to work. When these guys start hitting jumpers. Go ahead. I'm going to bring up one thing, though. Last night, it seemed like we might have beat our recent kryptonite for a little bit. The fucking 2-3 zone. Yes. Yes. The The 2-3 zone has been tearing us up. The Mavericks went to it, like, after we went up, like, 24-19. And the first thing that we did, we set a screen in the middle, and Beal just... They could have easily called this a charge, but Beal sold out. And I, I believe that we decided we weren't going to beat the zone by jumpers anymore and that we're just going to sell out and go to the ring. 
Thank God. So Beal just sold out. He caught the ball. Without, he didn't even look up. He just sold out and went straight forward and ended up getting a, a blocking call in an one That was on Dwight Powell, I believe. Yes, that and was a very he, good career. He good. sold out driving a couple more times, and they went out and they went back to man. I'd go as far as to say the 2-3 zone was the reason we lost 4 out of 5 in that stretch because we were just trying to shoot from the corner, wide open, just missing every single time. Every I, single I think, time. I think we're better off just either getting the ball to the middle or just selling out and driving straight middle. I still think it like... Just sell out and go straight to the paint. Bro. If you sell out and go straight to the paint, if you have Gafford or Trez cutting alongside you, the lob threat will be there or you will be able to put a layup up. Like One of those will be there. Because yeah, I don't, I don't, we don't have to take a three plus rebounding this week in a two three zone. So if you can just get the ball up on the rim, mm-hmm. Ashford or Trez can clean that up for sure. And that's been a strength of this team is their rebounding. Uh, the Hornets games were supposed to be like I don't know if you saw that during the Hornets game we out rebounded we, we, seventy seven we to forty one and lost the game. Every minute that the Hornets played man to man, we killed them. It was two three. <laughs> that fucked us up. But how the and, hell and do my you thing is like, bro, by thirty six and lose? That's insane. So we, we, we were getting that many offensive boards. We bricked a lot. Just couldn't hit. <laughs> we bricked a lot for those rebounds to be available. Yeah, man, it was wild. But it was like, man, honestly, man, like sell out toward the rim and just, if anything, get the ball on the rim because the big is gonna have to come over because he's the only one inside the paint. Trez or Gafford should feast off offensive board on two three zones. That should be how we beat it. Let's you know, most teams try to shoot out of his own. Let's, let's let's abandon that and just go to the rim. Just as a quick aside, it was the Hornets game that we lost in the clutch because I remember KCP uh brought us within three and then we just kind of oh, fumbled. Yeah. That's right. Um but yeah. Uh overall, if we can beat the two three zone, I think I mean, we should theoret- we should just be able to beat the 2 3 zone. These are professional players who've been playing basketball their entire lives. Uh, they have seen zone defenses before. You just had to trust that they would figure it out. And they did, for the most part. You just got to keep it up. And I don't know if there's as much interior presence other than the uh, next few games. Like, who's the Spurs' primary center? Uh, Jakob Pertl. Jakob or, or I think he, he might be injured. It's just like, uh, what's his name? Drew something. Oh, I, don't know. I can't remember his name. But yeah, T Wolves have Cat, but he's been he's kind of a lick on defense throughout his career. He's been better this year. Uh but his pick and roll defense sucks. His pick and roll defense is garbage. I think that's just the curse of Timberwolves Bigs, because Kevin Love also sucked in pick and roll defense. KG is the one exception because he was good. In an ISO cat is not bad, but if you get on a pick and roll and get ahead of speed, he's not keeping up. He's not doing much, but uh, All you I, gotta am, do is get past I am very scared of that Timberwolves game, man. They're playing some good ball. They're explosive, offensive, explosive. They can randomly just go off like the twenty one. Did they fire Hernan Rome? Uh, go, what's his name? Rosas. Yeah, they, they fired him. I think. I think and then they just started playing well after the players that he got. Like <laughs> that's kind of messed that up. That guy was tripping, bro. He didn't. He didn't let Wancho play in the fucking Olympics. Yeah, that was dumb. Like they, they, he, he said that he could play, and then right before the Olympics, like, yeah, you can't play. Yeah, that was well, why can't he play? You don't even play Wancho anyway, and you're about to trade him. <laughs> he gets hurt, whatever. Yeah, he was he was kind of an asshole, but I mean, he also he he's assembled a, the roster for the most part. He's a weird guy. He is a weird guy. He was touted to be an NBA executive for a really long time. I was surprised that he got fired that quickly, but uh, yeah, the D'Lo thing is finally working out a little bit. Uh, Anthony Edwards seemed to be kind of stepping in his own. That one. Poster he had over Gabe Vincent was insane. I can't believe they called I, that a charge. I cannot believe they called it a charge. I cannot believe it. 
Like some of the calls Miami gets, is, some of the calls Miami gets for them is just. And Heat fans don't want to talk about it. They get some favorable whistles. I swear to God. There's a there's some James business. Harden can't in, uh, even get whistles right now, and Jimmy Butler is still going to the line. I like my kneecaps, so I'm not gonna say who's involved in Miami. But there's a uh, there's some people down in Miami who have very influential business opportunities. I will say, and I'm sure the referees yeah. get into some stuff. I swear. Come on. Well, who the Caesar hell just is that Caesar? Come yeah, on, it is. Ant is greater than Beal. Shut the fuck up, kid. Yeah, fun. Uh, Caesar, man. Come on now. Uh, we'll we'll see on Wednesday if that's if that's true or not. Uh, I am very intrigued to see that game, though. I think of these next four, we got Spurs, Timberwolves, Cavs, Raptors. What is our what is our record over these next four? Go ahead. Uh, with the Spurs, we've got to worry about Keldon Johnson and Dante Murray for the most part. Olympian I Keldon think, Johnson. Yeah. Olympic he, gold medalist. He's been really good. He's been really good. I think that's I think that's like under for For sure. But, uh, Pop knew yeah. what he was doing. Yeah, I think he, I think he was just trying to get him some development on the slot. But um, yeah, so Kelvin Johnson, Dejounte Murray, we got to worry about them. I think we beat them. Minnesota, it might end up being a shootout. But if we can guard them, they don't have the greatest defense. If if we can guard them somewhat, like hold them under 120, we can win that game. And then, uh, I got I, I got the schedule pulled up. Let's see what's happening. We got some hella shit going on. We got the Cavs and then the Raptors. Yeah. So, I think we can beat both the Spurs and the Timberwolves. The Cavs, that's going to be a war. Mm-hmm. We're at home. Hopefully, we come out with it. Then we got to go to Toronto. <sighs> this one's they've tough been, they, they've, Toronto's been like up and down recently. It depends on which. There's a big. It depends on which Raptors team comes up. There's a big caveat to what I'm about to say. Um, I think we can go four and zero, but this depends on one thing, and that's Rui Hachimura coming back by that Cavs game. Uh, we don't know for sure that that he will be back. We know he didn't travel with the team during this road trip, but he was a full participant in practice before that, and he is still practicing uh, individually without them. So he should be getting back up conditioning wise. Yeah. I don't know how he fits into the rotation. I don't know. I'll if speak to this. The one thing about Rui Hachimura, having a Rui Hachimura on the court, it almost automatically kills his own because he's he's made to play in the mid range anyway. Oh, for sure. Give the ball to Rui in the middle, and you basically you got like uh, Tobias Harris, Carmelo Anthony Light sitting there, one on one with somebody in the mid range at the elbow. That's exactly where he wants to be anyway. So, mm-hmm. playing a zone against Rui Hachimura isn't that smart because you're giving him the one For sure. You're probably going to have to double depending on who's on him. I really want to see what Rui looks like when he comes back. I am. I think as long as he can do the same things that Rui Hachimura is known for, I don't need him to. I don't need a super. This team is good enough. I don't need a crazy leap. I would like him to make another leap. If he makes a crazy he, leap, then we are we're in yeah, we have to have yeah, a different discussion about yeah, this. Yeah, if, if if he make if he has, if he makes another leap, we might have to start using the C O N word. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the contender word. The C O N chicken tenders word. I know what you're yeah, talking about. Yep. But otherwise, if he's just Rui Hachimura from last year, who by the way averaged 14 on eight shots a game. <laughs> Seventy <laughs> percent true shooting in the playoffs, Rui Hachimura. If that's the Rui Hachimura we get back. 
a lot of teams are in trouble. And then that holds us over. What's that Migos song? Thomas Bryant. Is, in trouble. Yeah. You're in trouble. And, and then Thomas Bryant will come back at the end of December, most likely. And at that point, if we haven't, if we haven't true, like, shooting struggles or guys are just, they're just coming off a, a pick and just make, just playing the lob, bring in Thomas Bryant, tell him to shoot the fuck off the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Chase this Hughes also right. released a um, a practice clip of Rui Hachimura just draining threes. He went all around the key and did not miss one. His, fo- His form looks better. He's got the same form, but the thing I always used to say about Rui is he would release the ball on the way down mm-hmm. a lot. Because he's a mid-range it, shooter. That's it, what he's it used didn't, to. It, it didn't affect his mid-range at all, but like his three-point shot was struggles. But he would release it on the way down. Mm-hmm. He was running around. The, he would release that shit on the way up. Yep. It was almost one motion. <laughs> yeah. It looks a lot smoother. So I, I just hope it doesn't change his mid-range game. If he's still... A, a one motion shot can make your mid-range tough. If he can give you 10 points per game, because I'm assuming... I, I don't even know what his shot... Uh, what his field goal attempts are, are going to be. I have no yeah, idea. They're going to be lower again. They're going to be lower. Hopefully they go up slowly. Uh, like We kind of saw that with Denny. Like As the season's going on, as he's getting more rotation minutes, he's getting more and more shot attempts. I would imagine a similar thing with Rui. If he can start off by giving you like 10 points a game, like four boards and defense, this team gets significantly better just off the basis of that. Uh, If he's back by the Cavs game, I don't know. I don't think we're going to struggle. Yeah. I don't think we're going to struggle with another team until December 11th when we play the Jazz. Uh, I think we can kind of skate through these next six. I don't know when he's coming back, have, granted. We and have I don't know how one crazy play. stretch. For anybody that's still in here, let me read off this stretch that is coming. I'm not even going to talk about the uh, this first four games or the Pacers. I'm going to go after the Pistons game. Mm-hmm. So starting December 11th, for everybody, for everybody watching, anybody that's still in here, Utah Jazz, Denver Nuggets, small break against the Kings, Phoenix Suns, Utah Jazz, Brooklyn Nets, New York Knicks, Philadelphia 76ers, Miami Heat, Cleveland Cavaliers, Chicago Bulls, Charlotte Hornets. So that goes from December. Just for reference, that goes from December 11th to January 3rd. That's how rough that stretch, long that rough stretch is. We're about to be in hell. You got to at least go 500 in that stretch if you want to remain near the top of the East. And that's honestly that's all I want. Is if we can be five hundred, then then give me give me five hundred. I mean, all I want. we're six games above five hundred right now. Like that's that's not nothing to sneeze at. If you stay five hundred, you you're probably still a five seed by the end of that. And all, all I want to do five hundred. Yeah, the East this year has been crazy. East has like, been ridiculous. Ten, There's ten two and, bad teams, and that's it. Ten and ten last year in the East. At this point, you're not in the play-in. You're like you're like five or six. Right now, ten and ten, you you in the playing or damn near out of it. If you are not the Pistons <laughs> or the Magic, you have a shot. That's really all it comes down to. Because everybody yeah. else has the at top. Least the top five teams right now just need to make sure that they don't. They, they just got to stay above five hundred. Mm-hmm. So like the rest of the like, if we just go to rest of our games and go five hundred, bro, we're gonna be top six. We're probably gonna do more than that because we got this, that tough stretch, so it's gonna get easier at some point. Toward the end of the season, I think we have an, a, a little bit of a cupcake schedule, but if we not. do, that's great because then we can get hot at the right time. And 
honestly, I think we're one of the teams where somebody doesn't really want to play us for it's kind of a mixed bag uh, toward the end of the year. We'll have a couple games where it's an easier stretch. I'm looking at the schedule now. Uh, but it's kind of... I think February is kind of the easiest schedule we have. We go with the Bucks and 76ers to start it off and the Suns. But then it kind of gets... Uh, and then Heat, Nets. But then it gets softer, like halfway into February. You got Kings, Pistons, Pacers, Spurs, Cavs, Pistons. So... That's not too bad. Uh, and then toward the end of the year, you play a little bit more of the Eastern playoff teams. But it's just going to be a mixed bag. You just got to beat as many teams in the East as you can just to stay afloat. Just keep winning games. Just keep winning games and you'll be fine. Uh, the Bucks and the Hornets have won eight of their last ten. So they are surging. The Bucks are on a six-game win streak. Uh, Everybody knew the Bucks were going to come back. They were oh, stupid. for sure. They started, they started poorly, the but they were, gonna they're going to be fine. Six. They're going to be just fine. They're reigning champions for a reason. They'll just, be back. The, Bull, the Bulls and Wizards have kind of threw off a lot of teams' playing. Because mm-hmm. they didn't, they, even though we made moves, like they, people didn't even, they, they didn't even believe in the Bulls. Mm-hmm. So imagine what they thought of the Wizards. Most people thought we'd be like 12. So Psych. like, we've thrown off a lot of teams' playing. Mm-hmm. So like, it's harder for teams to absorb injuries now because they, there's two teams that they didn't expect to be up there. See, I we used to be the kind like, of team the that Knicks, the Knicks probably expected to be back up top six again. Oh, for sure, but they're, now there's it's a big wake up call. They now, might be Charlotte, a playing team. Charlotte's past them. Yeah. So like, the Hawks, big, the Hawks might be a playing team this year. Like there's like you no, know, a lot of teams that had some uh, plans after doing well last season. They're their plans are kind of thwarted. 20 games in, their plans are kind of uh, looking shaky right now. I can't lie. It kind of makes me happy to see the Celtics kind of scuffle. They're 500, but uh, they haven't really been good the last few seasons. The, the Celtics are also expected to be a little bit higher up. Yep. Us being us playing this well so far has fucked up. <laughs> can't wait until Jason Tatum demands a trade to play in Washington with Bradley Beal. Uh, that's going to oh, be man. a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> Kept think, hearing about think... it the other way. Can't wait to see it. Flip the, uh, I think at some point, uh, uh, if Charlotte doesn't keep up what they're doing, I think Philly's going to end up taking that spot because they just got Joel Embiid back. I think they're going to rise up and take it. They also got Tobias Harris back, which was also a huge thing. Uh, ben Simmons, I still don't know what the hell is going on with that. Uh, I don't think he, I don't even know if he gets traded by the deadline, but the East in general has just been very, West, very interesting. West is watching. If Ben Simmons... Because obviously his value is in the third right now. Nobody's giving him. Not if you ask Daryl Morey. Yeah, but like, teams aren't about to give him crazy shit for Wes is watching. Because if we can pull, like, a straight, like, point guard, point guard, <laughs> who plays incredible defense, <laughs> mm-hmm. Wes is watching that. He's Tommy not gonna got a side eye going on. He's not going to ask him to shoot shit. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want Ben Simmons to shoot nothing. Bro. No. You just go to the basket. Just go to the basket and dish. That's all you got to do. Uh, believe me, Tommy is watching Ben Simmons. He's watching Brandon Ingram. He's watching Jason Tatum, and there's probably like two other players that he's looking at. He's seeing if if Minnesota starts uh, tapering off again, Cat. somebody's gonna go from there. The Kings, the Aaron Fox could become available at some point. Hmm. Hmm. Aaron Fox on his roster, I'll take it. I'll take it, but I mean, 
I'd be Fox I'd be underwhelmed roster, if I'd be underwhelmed. Fox on this roster, he eats. I promise you. See, but with, with when you have this amount of assets and like you're you're looking to make a splash trade, if we ended up with De'Aaron Fox, I'd be a little underwhelmed. Like I think we could do better. It's like as far as name value, yeah. But I think De'Aaron Fox on this roster. I think with like, names and fit, like yeah, he's that floor general. I think like like you know like Apex Legends, how like the Sentinel is like decent, but then when you supercharge that bitch, it's like a one shot to the head. I don't play Apex. But I think I, for it. I think putting De'Aaron Fox with this roster is the supercharger. Okay. Because you get a Wizards style point guard back. Mm-hmm. Who are you giving everybody's... up? Who are you giving up for De'Aaron Fox? Because that's. I think that's what it's going to come down to for me. Because if we're making like a splash trade, I assume you're trading one somewhere. If we if we're going to get the Aaron Fox, one we're going to have to give up a piece of our depth, and we're not going to be drafting too well no. <laughs> for a little while. It's going to be two or so three. So who, 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 whoever it is, I think the Wizards would try to keep one or two or then if if possible, they keep both and just throw more drafts at that. That would be lovely. Because if the Kings are going to be like, you know, if they're going to give up De'Aaron Fox, they're probably just going to blow that whole shit up. Yeah, they need And the they picks. would value draft picks more than anything. And teams at this point still don't believe in the Wizards. Mm-hmm. So Wizards' first round draft pick is still valuable at this point. That's true. <laughs> so, so we have until the trade. I think at the trade deadline, if we're still playing well, our first round draft pick is not going to be anything that you can But <laughs> as of That's right true. now, it's still early enough for us to just fall off. You're not going to see any real trades until mid-December anyway, because I think all the new contracts and like new signings, you can't trade them until like December fifteenth, sixteenth ish. So, uh, and I think the deadline's in what February. Yeah. So we're gonna have that two-month window where people are gonna be exploring trades. I think I think if we were to go after De'Aaron Fox, we also have to fill some salary. So obviously, Breton is the first name out of here. <laughs> Thomas Breton's Bryant might leave. Do they, need bigs, for that, for that, for do, they need, do they even need bigs? Oh, honestly, we might. If we were to give up Thomas Bryant, I want. I want I'm not gonna lie, I want Bagley. Yeah, that was saying like. I, I, think... I want. Ba- I want Bagley with Fox, and he throws. You know, we throw the world a pick at them and hope they don't actually rear them. Because the Kings, they, their yes. problem isn't that smart. I don't. I don't know if they would do that. <laughs> we could, we when you're blowing it up, you don't trade your young players, and that's what Bagley and Fox are. Like Fox is a little bit older. I think he's what, like 24, 25 now. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, Bagley they picked three years ago. It wouldn't make sense for them to trade. Bagley is Bagley is asking them to like just not play him. He's like yeah. refusing to check into the game. <laughs> he was healthy. a big just, piece in that Lakers win. Yeah, he's healthy. He just refuses to check into the game. <laughs> you know? Did they? Fi- yeah, they fired Luke Walton already, right? It's Alvin yeah. Gentry as their coach. He's not much better. He's probably worse, uh, but he's interim for a reason. And they had Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson and Fumble. So bad. He's just not a good coach. Uh, but yeah, I think that about wraps up the show. Uh, I think I think if there's any team that we could fleece for their young star, it'd be Sacramento. Yeah, because their front office is good. Like see, but I also we, think the I, one team that we could do it without giving up Rudy Denny. That's the only team. No, I think you could do it with the Pelicans because they're stupid. Oh yeah, they're all, David yeah. Griffin doesn't know what he's doing. He's just not a good executive. We, we could steal Bi without. I think we could steal Bi and maybe you might have to give up one of Rui or Denny, but not both. For Tatum, for Tatum you're giving up one. For Tatum, you probably give up both. <laughs> yeah, we're like that's a big return though. We got Tatum. Oh my God, I'm saying the c word. That isn't contender. Oh, no. I'm saying championship. Championship. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if we tag Tatum, I say championship. 
that would be one hell of a thing. But I don't know if that's happening. But I don't. I don't think Brad Brad Stevens isn't a good executive. But I don't think he he's gonna trade one of his two franchise cornerstones anytime soon. We'll no, see I though. Think, I honestly think the Celtics might. I don't know how long Jalen Brown got. Ooh, that's a good question. I, I, I feel like they're starting to realize they can't play. It's either. like Brown and Pitt, they're too similar. Yeah, they both need the ball to be at their peak, so it's not gonna work the best. I don't know how long. But it's almost the same with Beal and Tatum. Beal and Tatum, they they will get along just fine. They are best friends. Yeah, they're best (laughs) friends. They get along while playing against each other. That's true. That's true. I think with that, though, we're about ready to wrap up the show. Uh, be sure to follow us on all socials, at Chasing Chip on Twitter, at Chasing the Chip on Instagram, at the Moe's for me, at your boy Wayne for Wayne, uh, at Phantom Sports Net, at Phantom Sports Network on Instagram. I think we should be back with another show probably next week, maybe on Wednesday after the, um, what's it called? After the Seattle game. I'm kind of worn out after doing two straight streams. I don't know how Ty does this shit for eight hours. <laughs> that day was crazy. I think I, I went for the podcast uh-huh. at, the, at like the end of the night. Was like, this guy still had energy. He is a man. He's a ball of energy. Much respect to Ty. Much love to Ty. Hope you're doing well, man. Uh, but yeah, be sure to keep an eye out for new streams, and we'll catch y'all later. See you later. <laughs>